Those who haven't been here, those who have been here, we're in the middle of a series called Verses to Hang Your Life On. Uh, and part of that is we're actually trying to memorise all the verses that we're going to learn over the weeks that we've been doing it. We're up to week five, so we've done four verses so far. There's going to be nine all up. Uh, so at the end of this, you're going to be able to know off the top of your head, straight away, nine verses you can quote. And uh, these verses are really great verses uh, because I think they're really helpful when we're speaking to people about what God's doing. Uh, these can come to mind at that time. So we're going to do a bit of a challenge for us to go back, right back to a few weeks ago and think about, Bob, are you scared or mate? What's happening? He's bolded. Uh, we're going back to the very first one. He's gone to get the service sheet. Uh, who can remember what the very first verse we looked at at the start of the series? I'll give you a hint. It was in the very first part of the Bible. And even in the first chapter. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. Who think they can quote it for me? Yeah, male and female he created them. But man and woman, that's great. Male and female he created them. Well done, Bob! Look, he wasn't scared at all. He actually knew it all. That's Genesis 1, 27. There you go. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Actually, we put a them in there, didn't we? Him, male and female, he created them. Well done. Good work. Okay, who can remember what the second one was? A little bit later on in Genesis. But there's a summary of it I gave you, rather than having to learn the whole verse. God's people. Place. <laughs> to be a blessing to the world. Well done, Hamish. Woohoo! Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. Uh, this is like the programmatic verse. In a sense, this is the verse that sets up almost the rest of the Bible because the rest of the Bible has the story of how God brings this about. Uh, God's people in God's place under God's rule to be a blessing to the nations. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. It's a summary of those three verses. So uh, I made it a little bit easier for you rather than trying to have to learn them. All right, next one. We jump to about the middle of the Bible and we looked at who's going to bring about this kingdom that God's talking about. Who knows? Isaiah 53, 6. That's it. And we sing it, which is? Lynn, Lynn, go. We all like sheep have gone astray. Good thing we're a family. We can all do it together. But when you're out in the street and you want to talk to someone, you've got to know it off the heart for yourselves. That's correct. So flip it up. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And I haven't quite justified all them to the right spot, have I, on the screen. But anyway. Uh, and without the do-ba-ba bit in the middle of it. All right. So see the progression that we're doing. God created us in his image. We're to image him well. Uh, part of that is that he wants to bring us into a community God's people in God's place under God's rule to be a blessing to the nation. The way he's going to do that is through a servant uh, who's had in the iniquity of us all of our things we do wrong laid on him. And so we went to Mark to work out who this suffering servant is. You can remember what we're up to now. Mark chapter... Oh, that's shaking heads everywhere. Chapter 10, verse... 45. Come on, guys. Just because we had a week off for NCCC doesn't mean we have to stick it in the back burner. 
Mark 10 verse 45 said, "That's yeah, the song, The Servant King, is based on this verse. Alright, flip it up for us, Dave. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Fantastic verse. You want to memorise a verse because that verse almost holds the whole of the gospel within it. Okay? So Jesus, the Son of Man, came not to be served but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. See how we're doing the progression though? See how the story works? Uh, the whole of the Bible is a story. It's God's story. It's God's story about how he wants us to be part of his family and he makes that possible through his son Jesus who gives his life for us so that we can image God well in the way we live life around us. So today we're moving on to Matthew chapter 6 and uh, Benny uh, gave us a bit of an intro on how that's going to look uh, in regards to how we worry and how we need to not worry but trust. Because we live in a world that uh, basically I think worry is an epidemic. I think when we look at the world around us, uh, individually, personally, the world in general, uh, the whole world looks like it's going to be a complete worry all the time, doesn't it? Uh, if, you're, if, you read, if you read or if you watch the TV news at night, there is enough things to be on the news at the TV night at night for us to walk into our bedrooms, get into a fetal position and just cry. There's so much out there, isn't it? Uh, and so there's a whole lot of things around us that cause us to worry. And the, what we're going to be looking at today in Matthew chapter 6 is that God tells us that the antidote to worry is trust. Uh, it doesn't say that we're not to worry about everything. There are some good things that we do and should worry about. There is stuff in the world that we need to be concerned about and God speaks about that. He speaks that we should be concerned about the poor, that we should be concerned about mercy, that we should be concerned about justice, that we should be concerned about our families, that we should be concerned about people who don't know Jesus yet, that we should be concerned about growing to be more like Jesus. But the Bible tells us, God tells us that we are not to be like the world and worry about the stuff that the world worries about because that will just drive us crazy and will send us into a spin. And what God tells us is that we need to trust and not worry. So let's have a look at that together. Matthew chapter 6. We're going to go back to verse 19 because uh, we need to see where this Matthew chapter 6 verse 33 sits which is our verse to hang our life on today. Uh, it's going to be on the screen, but hold your Bibles open. It'll be really good because we're going to do a little bit of work to get to that verse because God does. Uh, uh, Jesus speaks to us here uh, directly from this, speaks to us, and he puts it into context, and the context helps us understand the, the verse we're going to look at. Uh, so Lynn's going to come up and read that for us. It's Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through to 34. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will fill, or will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is, in dark, is darkness, how great is that darkness? <clears throat> no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. 
You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labour or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendour was dressed like one of these. If this... (coughs) If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Amen. Did well then, considering you've had uh, no throat, laryngitis for a little while. Uh, As we look at this passage together, how about we pray? Heavenly Father, we uh, come to you this morning, Lord, and we think, as we've just heard, being read to us, uh, your words to us through Matthew chapter 6. Lord, uh, pray that this morning that we will listen to you, that your spirit will use your words to touch our hearts and our minds, and to change us and to transform us, Lord. Help us with that, Lord, this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's a great passage. Uh, we're in a section of the Bible where Jesus is on the, called the Sermon on the Mount. If you flip back to chapter 5, you'll see it starts there. And uh, Jesus speaks about blessed are the poor, blessed are the, the meek, blessed are the... Uh, it's an amazing passage. It's probably one of the most well-known passages. If you spoke to someone outside of the church, they would know about the Sermon on the Mount. They would have seen it. It's been used in a number of different ways. And this passage comes near the end of that, and the passage, uh, the verse we're going to be looking at is verse 33. Uh, but it sits within the context of the whole Sermon of the Mount, and it sits within the context of uh, a couple of things that have gone before it. So I'm just going to quickly run back to chapter 6, uh, the beginning of it, because we need to see what Jesus is saying here. Uh, Jesus in the Sermon of the Mount has been talking about what it is to be part of God's kingdom, what it looks like to be part of his family. Uh, and in that he comes to chapter 6 and he tells us firstly that we need to be real. If you look back in chapter 6, read it a little bit later, but uh, he comes in and he hits hypocrisy really, really hard. He comes in, don't be hip- hypocritical in how you give. Don't be hypocritical in how you pray. Don't be hypocritical in how you fast. He tells us we need to be real. That when we pray, it's not about people around us saying how good are we at praying. It's about our heart attitude to God. When it's about giving, it's not about knowing which hand gives and what hand gives. It's about giving out of your heart 
and out of generosity. When you fast, uh, not that we do that too often, but when we fast, it's not that you're supposed to go around and look really gaunt in your face as though you're finding it really tough and you're doing all this tough stuff for God, but you might, you're supposed to look bright and cheery because people aren't to know that. It's about what's going on in here, not the fact that you look on the outside particularly. It's about being real in our lives in how we live for God. I don't know whether you can remember the old show, uh, I think it's uh, Mrs. Bouquet, uh, the old uh, Keeping Up Appearances was the name of that show. And Jesus is saying it's not about keeping up appearances, it's about being real in your faith. Mrs. Bouquet, whose name is spelt Mrs. Bucket, B-U-C-K-E-T, uh, liked to call herself Mrs. Bouquet and try and profess that she was something more than what she was. It's like uh, that guy who does the news, uh, Mike Rabbit. Uh, Mike Rabbit, I think is his name. Uh, but it's not, it's not that, is it? It's not about keeping up appearances, it's about being real. That God wants us to be real in our relationship with him and real in our relationship with each other. And so we are to be Mrs. Buckets, or Mr. Buckets, not Mrs. Bouquets. And so he says, be real in that first section. And then he comes to verse 19 and he says that we need to be focused. Be real in our lives and be focused in our lives. Be part of God's kingdom is about being real in your relationship with him and with each other and being focused in how we live. And so he first there in verse 9 he says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Uh, when the Bible talks about your heart, it's not just the anatomical position of it, but it pumps blood around your system. Uh, but it's actually the centre of who you are. It's, in a sense, what makes up everything of you. Uh, often you'll talk about the mind and the heart, but generally when they talk about the heart, they, it incorporates a whole lot. It's who you are. It's the essence of you. It's your soul. It, it's what drives you, what keeps you going. Is Basically, everything that encompasses you is your heart. So when the Bible speaks about that, when Jesus talks about that, he says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be. What you see is most important in your life will drive how you live your life. Just for a moment, uh, when you think back and have a think about one time in your life where you might have had, had a moment just to think about things, where you've had a chance to sit down and everything else is gone and you can just sit down and take a moment, what do you think about? Maybe you're thinking about, gee, I need to take more of these moments. But what is it that you think about? So I think sometimes that indicates what our treasure is. Where does our mind go to mostly when we're still? Now, I don't know where yours goes to. I'm not going to tell you where mine goes to. But I think that is a bit of a trigger, isn't it, to think about where is our treasure? What do we hold on to the most? What is it that has got our heart? Because that drives how we live. Where our heart is, where our treasure is, it directs what we do. That's where it takes our direction. That's what we get our energies to. That's where we head to. And what Jesus is saying to us is when we think about that, if our heart or our treasure are things of this earth, great looking shirts like Benny's, you know, if you treasure to have that type of wardrobe, then it's a bit sad, but um, <laughs> if you treasure to have that sort of wardrobe, then 
It's in the wrong place. Uh, if you treasure to have things that are around us here, then they're going to rust. They're going to be destroyed. They aren't going to last. Clothes get eaten by moths. They won't last. So don't give your life to them. That's what Jesus is saying. Uh, I can remember we used to live in Sea Mist Lane over towards the beach and we used to call it Sea Rust Lane because we reckoned if you stood longer, if you stood still longer than five minutes, you'd start to rust because of the sea salt that was around it and everything that we ever had there rusted. Now, great place to live, close to the beach, but it rusts. But it was a great lesson too that things on this world, on this earth, just don't last. So why give your lives to it, says Jesus? You're only going to worry about it. It's only cause you distress. It's only cause you problems. If you get into it, and there it is. Now, we were in Sydney the other day, uh, and Corinne and I stayed in town when we went to a conference, and then on the Thursday there was a, a gap day, and I thought it would be really good to do the Manly tour, go over the Sydney Harbour Bridge, but no, we're going to go shopping. That's what you do when you go to Sydney. <laughs> and being the diligent husband that I am, and Corinne is not here today, so I can get away with it, uh, I went shopping with her uh, for a whole day in Sydney. Anyway, it was a wonderful day. Um, if you're in the middle of Pitt Street Mall, we're in Pitt Street Mall and, uh, and shops just everywhere. Shops all over the place. I was just thinking, imagine if you're an alien and you landed yourself in the middle of Pitt Street in Sydney and you looked out, what would you think drove these people. Clothes. 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 Shoes. Yes, shoes. Shoes were there. Perfume. Handbags, accessories and chocolate. Do you know how many chocolate shops are in the middle of Pitt Street Mall? There are a lot of chocolate shops. They're everywhere. That's it. You'd get out and you would think this is what drives our world. And it's pretty true, isn't it? It does. Clothes, the things we wear, the things that we have, they're our treasures. And Jesus says to us, where your treasure is, there your heart will be, and that drives your life. But he says, don't do that because it's going to be disappointing because rust and moths destroy. So he's saying, first of us, we need to be uh, focused on what our treasure is and we need to the, the treasures that are in heaven they're the treasures that we want to be focused on now he doesn't outline all those treasures for us but if we work through the Bible there are some amazing treasures about being what's going to be in heaven it's going to be undiluted love perfect love is in heaven relationships that just work all the time and don't destroy and mucked up we're going to be in place where we're going to be having access to God 24-7, the whole time we're going to be with him. It's going to be a place where there's going to be none of this stuff. There's going to be sadness. There's going to be all that sort of thing. We're going to actually feel emotion without the distress of it. We're going to love without being disappointed. We're going to experience what it is to be in perfect relationship with one another the whole time. Moth and rust will not destroy anything in eternity in God's kingdom. There are the things that we want to set our hearts on. That is to be our treasure. And our treasure to be part of that is Jesus. That is where our heart needs to be. Now, I don't know about you, 
But I know when I live in this world, the shiny and the glitzy grab my attention all the time. We're like bowbirds, aren't we? We see the shiny, we see the glittery, and we say, we want that. I want to have the nice clothes. I want to have the good car. I want to have the great house. I want to have the 50-inch TV. I want to have, I want to have. And it takes us, doesn't it? But they're going to be destroyed, guys. And they're going to disappoint. So we need to have our hearts and our treasures on Jesus. But we need to set our sights right too. Because where our sight goes takes us towards that, doesn't it? Look what he says. The eyes are the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, he or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Jesus is saying to us, where your treasure is, that's your heart is. Where you set your eyes takes you in that direction. You want to set your heart on God's kingdom, his treasures on Jesus, or you want to set your eyes on the glitz and the glamour and the shiny stuff that rust and destroy and take you away. Because this treasure, this king will not disappoint, but this king will. Where you set your eyes, that's the direction that you will go. Have you ever had that situation where you're riding on the road and you're pedalling a bike and you're with somebody and if you're just riding on your road and you keep your eyes directly in the road, you'll go straight. But if you actually start to talk and turn your head towards the person, what happens? You won't go into each other, don't you? If you start talking at each other, this is an amazing thing. You're just an attraction. It hits each other. Because where your eyes are is the direction that you go. Have you ever been onto a, onto Chinaman's Beach on one of those pristine days when no one's there? Now, you've got to do that in the middle of the week, by the way. Uh, but if you get down there and it's a pristine day, you look out across Chinaman's and you think, there is nothing better than this. And when you look out, the sand is just smooth. No one's been on it before. It's a fantastic beach. And then start to walk along that beach and you start to make footprints along that beach. If you then navel gaze and look at your own navel or your feet... You have a look at what you do. You do. You look at your footprints after that. They go all over the place. Well, they're worse than you, John. Yours are like this. You'd be going all over the place, John. But if you set your sights on the, on the corner where you want to get to the end where the, the rocks are and you have your eyes set there, you'll walk in a straight line towards that. Where your eyes are focused is the direction that you will go. Jesus says the eyes look into the heart, don't they? If our eyes are chasing after the glitz and the glamour and the stuff that's out there, then that's where we will go. We need to focus our eyes on the true treasure of Jesus and the kingdom, his kingdom. Because if we don't do that, then we're going to start to worry and it's going to eat us up and it's going to destroy us. Look what Jesus says in verse 25. Therefore, notice that? It says, therefore. This, if, if, you, if you don't have your heart set on Jesus, if you don't have your eyes set on him, therefore, what's going to happen? Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life or what you will eat or drink or about your body or what you will wear. You see, if you have your eyes set on Jesus and your eyes set on the kingdom, if your treasure is him, then you don't have to worry about what you eat and what you drink and what you wear. You don't have to have a wardrobe like Ben. You don't have to aspire to that. 
You can get on and do life and you can get on and do God's kingdom. You don't have to worry about these things that are around you because God will sort them out for you. He says, look, look at what I do to the creation around me. Uh, Look at what he says there. He says, is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? There's a good one line, isn't it, to work out about being environmental is an important thing, but humans are more important than the environment. It's an interesting point for you to have a think of. But he says, are you not more valuable then? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life or her life? Have you ever done that? Have you ever just sat and looked out at the creation and gone, man, God's good. Uh, if you go, here's another great walk for you if you ever get a chance to do it. Uh, if you go out onto the headland uh, and you go to the walk, go towards the, the lighthouse, don't get quite to the lighthouse, turn right. Uh, there's a track that goes across there. And if you work your way, track it, it takes you towards Chinaman's Beach, but it doesn't get you all the way. And about three quarters of the way along, just turn left again and come out and you'll walk out across this grassy knoll that goes over like this and then it's a perfect spot to sit because it's got, you don't have to bring chairs, it's just on the perfect angle and you can sit there and just look out across the vista of the sea in front of you. Ah, and it's amazing. And then you'll see dolphins will cruise through the waves and then eagles will soar across the top of you. Whales, if you're at the right time of the year, will be there. And there's not even any green ants, which is a great thing. They don't bite you. <laughs> and you can sit there and you can go, wow, how good is this creation? How good is this place? But don't stay at that. Don't stay at how good God is. Think he's done that in this creation, but yet we are much more valuable than all of that. That's what he says here, doesn't he? We are much more valuable to him than all that because he desires a relationship with you. He wants to show you how much he loves and cares for you. And he wants you to sit back and go, I'm going to trust you with that God. Because that's what he's saying, isn't it? Don't worry, trust. Look at verse 28. And why do you worry about the clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labour or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendour was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? Are you of little faith? He's saying, are you who do not trust? That's what faith is there. If you don't trust, then you are going to worry about this stuff and this stuff will disappoint you. Don't worry about that. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. He's saying, don't be like the rest of the world that are caught up in this whole sense of of having to have the right stuff, having to look the best, having to have all the things that make you look like you've done it in this world. And they worry and they stress and they get torn up about it. They destroy relationships for that. They destroy people for that. They will destroy anything to have that. And they worry themselves sick, literally, for that. He says, don't be like that. You don't need to be like that, guys. Because God loves you and cares for you and provides for you 
And he has got a kingdom that is far better than all of that. See, one of the distinctives of who we are, if we follow Jesus, if we are part of his family, is that we don't get caught up worrying about stuff. That we don't live by the motto, the one with the most toys wins. That is to be our distinctive. Now that's a challenge, isn't it? I don't say that lightly because I get caught in that frequently. I come from a family where I reckon has been inbred in me from the moment that I was born that if you've got stuff, then you've made it. Now, that's nothing against my parents, by the way. That's just life, isn't it? That if you've got stuff, then you've made it. And if you've bought a house, you've got a house, you own it, then that is your goal once you've got that. Now, that was my parents' goal. Uh, they came out of my parents before them. Their goal was just to survive. Uh, my parents' situation was to survive but have your own house. Our life these days is have your own house and a number of other investments as well, isn't it? It's moved and it keeps moving because we think we need more. And that challenges me continually. Day in, day out, I am challenged to not get caught in the glitter of thinking I've got to have that and I've got to be able to pay for it and I've got to be debt free and I've got to have my house and I've got to have my TV, I've got to have the right cars, all that sort of stuff. Now, there's nothing wrong. God doesn't say there's anything wrong with having money. God doesn't say there's anything wrong particularly with having things. But it's when those things drive how you live that they become the problem. It's when your kingdom is made up with getting those things that it's the problem. Because he's saying here we need to seek another kingdom. His kingdom. Look at what he says in verse 33, which is our verse to hang our lives on this morning. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. And the last verse is great, isn't it? Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. It's a great verse, isn't it? How often do we just get caught in all the rest of it? Jesus is saying to you and me this morning, guys, girls, set your treasure on Jesus and his kingdom. That's what he means by his righteousness. Is him, is Jesus. Live for him. And you won't have to worry about this stuff. It'll happen, it'll be there, but you just got to get on with doing and living for me. And that just takes a whole lot of pressure off us, doesn't it? And I don't know, I think sometimes we don't trust that, do we? to say it. We say this is a good verse but then we walk out the door and we live our lives just like everyone else. Worrying about this stuff. Can I, can I encourage you as I've been challenged can I challenge you as I've been challenged as we think through this passage because it, it's beautiful words and they're great words but it's a tough thing to do in this world that we live in. We may not have people with guns at our heads, but we have shops and shops and television stations and all sorts of stuff with their products at our heads, wanting to grab our hearts, wanting to take our treasure, wanting us to live for this. But Jesus says, live for me, my kingdom. Live for his righteousness. And we won't have to worry. God's got a great antidote to worry, hasn't he? 
He says, don't, it's not that we don't concern about some things. There are very important things that we need to concern on. The Bible talks about. But when it comes to stuff, when it comes to the temple, when it comes to the things that we wear, the things that we have, the food that we eat, those sorts of things, he says, you don't need to worry. He says, trust me. Don't worry. Trust. Now, I don't know where you're at in your walk with Jesus. I know some of you better than others. Uh, I know that a number of us will be struggling with this in different directions. Uh, if you don't know Jesus yet, if this hasn't been something that you've heard before, can I encourage you to put your trust in him, to make him your treasure? Because when he grabs your heart, then he does bring peace. When he grabs your heart, then he does bring you into his kingdom. And it's an eternal kingdom where wrath and moth do not destroy. If you are a follower of Jesus then I want to challenge you to think about where is your heart? What is your treasure? Where is your vision? Where is your trust? This might be a day to day where you need to recommit your lives, where you need to step back and say, I'm sorry, Lord. Things have grabbed my heart. Other things than you have been my treasure. I have been looking at these things and I have been riding towards them. I have been running towards them. And Lord, I have lacked trust that you will provide. You may need to ask God to forgive you for that. But don't leave it at just asking him to forgive you. Ask him to transform you so that you do become people who treasure Jesus, who seek Jesus. Your vision is on him that you trust him, that you trust God to provide because he doesn't let you down, guys. He never lets you down. Let's pray. Lord, this is a part of the Bible that we've often heard and we often read. Uh, Lord, but we pray today that it won't be just something that flits past us and goes out the other side of our ears. Pray this morning, Lord, that you will use it by your spirit to penetrate our hearts, to delve deep into who we are, Lord, and to apply into us. Lord, all of us need to hear this this morning. All of us need to be challenged by it, Lord. All of us need your healing within this, Lord, and all of us need your transforming to be people who seek your kingdom first and your righteousness, and to trust that all these things will be added unto us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.